and go to the writings of Luke in the book of Acts chapter 4 Acts chapter 4 yes Luke is the author of the book of Acts as far as we know but I know there's a book by his name too and let us look at the third in a series of lessons on living in the blessed zone I am the greatest honor of my life is to be able to bring you the Word of God on Sunday mornings I never want to disappoint you but more importantly I never want to disappoint the Lord and so here's a word for us in due season we're gonna read from Acts chapter 4 verse 32 but we're gonna enter into chapter 5 because the separation of chapters and designation of verses in the scripture is not anointed it's not given by divine inspiration that you divide a chapter here and verses there it's just a man-made way of helping us to find the places in the scripture so I say that to let you know that the story doesn't end in the final verses of chapter 4 but we go to chapter 5 and this is what it says verse 32 now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own but they had all things in common and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all now there was there among them who lacked for all who pardon me now there was nor was there anyone among them who lacked I'll get this right I practiced it but I didn't get it right nor was there any among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles feet and they distributed to each as anyone had need and Joseph who was also named Barnabas by the apostles which is translated son of encouragement a Levite of the country of Cyprus having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet now chapter 5 but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession and he kept back part of the proceeds his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet but Peter said Ananias why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself while it remained was it not your own and after it was sold was it not in your own control why have you conceived this thing in your heart you have not lied to men but to God Amen. then Ananias hearing these words fell down and breathed his last so great fear came upon all those who heard these things and the young men arose and wrapped him up carried him out and buried him verse number seven now it's about three hours later when his wife came in not knowing what had happened and Peter answered her tell me whether you sold the land for so much she said yes for so much then Peter said to her how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord look the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last and the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out buried her beside her husband 
So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. And so for a, a subject this morning, I choose this thought for a few dollars more. Reach your hands in my direction. I'm only going to be able to help you as the Holy Spirit helps me. Pray for me, would you? Would you earnestly offer a prayer for me and for us? Father, there used to be a song that we sing, if I ever needed the Lord before, I sure do need him now. Those words are appropriate now. I rebuke the devil's attack on me that would try to keep me from the word. Give me clarity of thought. Pray for me, church. Give me clarity of speech. God, uh, the word can be bittersweet, but it always makes us better. And Father, I just pray as you are blessing the earth today with rain from heaven, as you are filling up the streams, which fills up the rivers, which flows into the reservoirs and oceans and lakes, as you're nourishing nature, come and let the Holy Spirit rain on us. Break up the hard ground of our hearts, if there be hard ground. And God, let the rain of the Holy Spirit not only rain on us, but change us. I bless everyone here this morning because you've given us the power to be a blessing through your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. And amen it is, and you may be seated. Thank you very much. Because I won't have scripture reference for everything I talk about, I want to, uh, meaning on the screen, I want you to keep your Bibles open for this lesson today, Acts chapter 4. This story is perhaps one of the most dramatic accounts found in scripture. The message of the story has to do with financial stewardship and accountability integrity it is as you have already determined because we've read the text it's a story of Ananias and Sapphira and how they pretended to be something they were not by lying about money this story has to do with the reality of a person's life and how money can present a temptation to dishonesty before God and before other people it's a sad story and it's certainly one that should be an example serve as a warning if you will to all believers but as a bright side to the story and this comes from the example of honesty integrity and sacrifice that can accompany the use of money by those who are honest before God and honest before other people this example of the bright side of the story is found in none other than this person by the name of Barnabas in fact, you can't understand Ananias and Sapphira unless you see them next to Barnabas. And you can't understand Barnabas unless you see him next to Ananias and Sapphira. So what I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit to do this morning from this text is to look at the lessons and the examples of these people, the principles that motivated their giving, and see how it impacts our lives. Let me give you a brief overview. Their stories took place in the days that is known as the early church, meaning the birthing of the church that later became what you and I enjoy today, the New Testament church. Their stories took place after the day of Pentecost, after Jesus ascended to heaven in the day of Pentecost. And then on the day of Pentecost, the gospel was preached after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people were baptized in water. And it made the Jewish authorities who were anti-Christ and anti-Christians very, very mad because they thought by crucifying Jesus they would end the spread of Jesus and Christianity. 
but it only served to promote the gospel because whenever you try to persecute the kingdom of God and the church of the living God the saints get together and they pray and it's like fanning a fire just spreads and that's what happened in the early church because of persecution many of the members of the church realizing the needs that existed within the congregation they sold property, some of them. They sold houses. They sold th different things they had, goods. And they used the money to provide for the needs of those who were in the church. Consistent with his name, Barnabas, which also means son of encouragement. Barnabas was one of those who sold a piece of property in order to share the proceeds of it with his fellow believers. Whereas Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit when he did what he did, Ananias and Sapphira became filled with the spirit of envy and greed, and as a result, they reached their immediate destruction. So, what I want to do with you this morning is to look at the principles of giving from Barnabas and the principles of giving from Ananias and Sapphira. And I want to begin by telling you that Barnabas was a giver. He really cared less about himself and his personal comforts and more about other people. When we find him moving into action in the book of Acts in chapter 4, he is giving what he has to help his needy fellow believers. Number one, Barnabas' giving was directed to the place where he received God's blessing. When Barnabas recognized a need in the church, and there were many needs because you could tell by reading that there were people who needed food, needed shelter, needed clothing. When he recognized that need, he didn't take his resources directly to the people. The Bible says he brought what he had after selling the land and laid it at the apostles' feet. Verse 37 of chapter 4. He did this in order that those who were the leaders of the church, a spiritual authority, could see the needs of the congregation and distribute the gifts as they saw fit. In other words, Barnabas understood the principle of the local church under the authority of his leaders having the place of priority in giving. By taking his gifts that he brought to the church, to the apostles, Barnabas was acknowledging the structure of leadership that God placed in the church as early as the days of the church of Jerusalem. You see, Barnabas appreciated the fact that his blessings as a believer came from the blessings of God through the church. It is from the church of Jerusalem that other churches were birthed. It is from the church of Jerusalem where Barnabas received the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he also was baptized in the Holy Spirit, where he also, because of his integrity and lifestyle before others, was also called to be an apostle. And realizing his blessings came from there, it is where the Holy Spirit led him to bring his gifts. Now, I don't want to be redundant by way of what I've already preached in this series. But since repetition is a good mode of remembering and learning, I want to say to you that the place for you to give your tithe and offerings 
is the place from which you get your blessing and more cases than not it is the local church say amen somebody it is a local church whereby you are blessed with the word and with the opportunity to worship it's a local church whereby if you're sick and we are called upon that we lay hands on you and pray for you it's a local church where if somebody in your family is in prison needing a visit or needing some sort of comfort or resources whereby we minister to them it's a local church where those who are bound by drugs and alcohol and other habits where we have ministries like we have here at South Metro Ministry called Recovery House where because uh, you ask us or because there's a need we minister within the capacity we have it's a local church right here where we have Joseph Storehouse Ministry where we try to accumulate furniture and clothing and food where people have a need from the local church we minister it's a local church where we solemnize the rights of marriage for your family where we bury your deceased ones where the local church where we dedicate your babies a local church where we send out missionaries the local church where we teach your kids in the nursery junior high and senior high the local church where we do the work of the ministry it's where you get fed and as a result it's the place where you bring your tithe and offerings so ministry can continue as God plans it's all right to praise him wouldn't it be silly if you went out to eat at O'Charlie's and went next door at Cracker Barrel to pay the bill that would be ludicrous you get blessed here you are not to send your tithe and offering to somebody's prayer tower or multiple ministry somewhere in Texas or California if this is where you get blessed the tithe and offering belongs here Barnabas understood that number two Barnabas's giving was determined by personal responsibility I can preach till I'm blue in the face and every other preacher preceding me or following me about why we should obey God with the tithe and offerings and you can hear it until all of it uh, becomes a sort of a repetition to you but the blessing is never released until we take personal responsibility to act on that which we have been taught and so Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira, they are two different groups of people who make two different choices that bring about two different outcomes. We notice Barnabas's personal responsibility and his initiative in helping to meet the needs of others. And in Acts chapter 4, it tells us that many in the congregation in Jerusalem might have done what Barnabas did. They may have had a yard sale, sold some stuff. They have been, may have uh, things around the house they don't need, but they realize because of the persecution on the church, many people have gone into hiding and they can't identify themselves as Christians because if they do, some people won't trade with them. And so uh, the congregation, the church, becomes very benevolent and they help out each other. And not everybody is able to do what Barnabas does by selling all the property and bringing all the money, but they did what they could because of personal responsibility to God and to others. Now, I really believe that the Holy Spirit singles out Barnabas here as an individual to represent what the church was doing. When it says of us here at South Metro Ministry, that South Metro Ministry sends missionaries, that we have a recovery house, that we have a Joseph Storehouse ministry, that we, that we minister on uh, a, a different continents by way of uh, missions and churches. 
What it really means is not just the church, but it means the people of the church individually who are moved upon by the Holy Ghost after hearing the word, after being blessed. The people of the church take responsibilities and say, you know what, I am going to not just give my tithe, which is 10%, but I am going to help make a difference. And the point of it is the church doesn't do it by way of just the church. The church is, of course, the people, and the people are you and I who when the Holy Spirit says give and it shall be given to you go ahead and obey we obey the Lord because of our personal responsibility to his word somebody say amen. amen and so if the Jerusalem church seems generous by people selling their stuff and having yard sales and bringing extra gifts and being generous and sacrificial it's only because there were individuals like you and I in this church, who knowing the need and discerning the time become generous and sacrificial. Now I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you that this economy in America is not going to get better before it gets even worse. I'm going to tell you that in this church, you and I are going to become a little bit more like the Jerusalem church because they're going to be people in our fellowship here who are going to need our help. And we may be one of those who are going to need help because men have made a mess of the economy. I told you last week, because of greed and envy, we are like a plane about to plunge onto the earth out of control because of greed and envy of those people and people around us who just didn't know how to say enough is enough. Amen. And so we're going to have to be like Barnabas. And I think it'll be a good thing. I think many of you already are. Here's a third consideration, please, as we consider Barnabas's model of giving. Barnabas's giving was designated to the priorities of the church. It's important to notice that Barnabas did not give his money conditionally. As best that we can tell from this text, he laid his money at the apostles' feet, meaning... He simply gave it to them for them to distribute in light of the priorities as they, the church leaders, saw the priorities. Now, in this modern church, of which you and I are part, we have on occasions this thing called designated giving. And that is sort of what's happening here in the last year and maybe six or eight months. Well, I've invited you to be a part of the M&M Project, Amen. Ministry and Mission. I've invited you to give above your tithe and offerings so we could do some stuff that is not in our budget the last year and a half. So we could put a beautiful sign out there at the street and landscape it for about $30,000. So that we could repair the roof for about $70,000 so that we could do update our children's ministry and renovate and do up there for the, about $40,000. So we could have a nice coffee house and youth area for about twenty-five dollars to $30,000. So that we could uh, repair our parking lot that will cost about $40,000. So we could buy a church bus, which we haven't yet, but we will, by the grace of God. And, and, and that's designated giving. And that's okay because, because there are times when God will say to us as individual, after we've brought the tithe into the storehouse, after we've heard about a need, after we've heard about somebody hurting, well, I have this happen to me and I always am so blessed as your pastor. When there are people within this house, there are people listening to me now who will bring an envelope to me and say, Pastor, 
give this to so-and-so. I've already given my tithe and offerings, but the Lord laid into my heart, put it on this project. Put it over here. Last week it happened. This week it happened. And I want somebody to be able, Lord, uh, to pastor to, uh, to go on this trip. I want somebody, oh God, to be able to, uh, to pastor to have missions fund. I want somebody to be able to take, to learn this financial peace class. And I want to be able to, to help there. Pastor, I want to be able to, to uh, help somebody else here who understood they had damage to their home or whatever. And boy, that's, that's designated giving. But, but listen to this. The fact of the matter is, when we bring our tithes and offerings to the church, it is not our place to tell the church or the leaders where to put the money. Only eternity will reveal how much money was withheld from the kingdom of God because so-called Christians kept their money and held it because they didn't know where it was going to go or it wasn't going to go where they wanted it to go. Therefore, they kept it for themselves. I'm a pastor. Been a pastor for 24 years. I married into a family who were pastors. My, my wife's dad pastored for probably 45 years. I come from a family of a pastor. My father was converted from Hinduism at age 17. He's 79 years old later this month. And right now, in a few moments, actually, he'll be preaching in his pulpit in Greenville, South Carolina. And I know because I'm a pastor. And I know we don't always get it right. I know that we are humans. I know we don't always make all the hospital visits like we need to. I know we don't always respond to all the phone calls. I want to, but I don't always do it. I know, I know because of my limitations, I forget things. I know the staff doesn't do everything right. I know the elders doesn't do everything right. But just, just look at your life and mine as parents, as husbands, as wives, as employees, as employers, as single people, as students. We don't always get it right. And I, I'm saying to you, just because we don't always get it right doesn't give us the right to steal from God and keep God's money because when we do that, we are bringing ourselves under a curse and we're stealing from God and not from man. Somebody ought to say Amen. Why bring a curse on ourselves by keeping what is God's just because we want to make somebody in the church suffer because they didn't do what we wanted them to do? And that's not what Barnabas did. He said, you know what? I sold the land. This is the money. I'm bringing the apostles' feet. You are the elders. You are the pastors. You may not get it right, but I'm praying that you get it right. But I am obeying God first of all. And so we learn from Barnabas. Number four, please. Barnabas's giving was donated in the place where he witnessed God's power. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody look in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4 verse 33. And with great power the apostle gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. And verses preceding that talked about how the power of God came upon the church by the way of the Holy Spirit and how the church was growing by leaps and bounds and, and 3,000 got baptized in one day and, and, and other churches were started and people were going all over the known world filled with the Spirit and there were signs and wonders and miracles and the lame were walking and the dumb were talking and the blind were seeing and the dead were being raised. I'm telling you that's a powerful place. Somebody say amen. And looking at that, then I observe that the people of the church of Jerusalem and Barnabas himself were giving, not just to support a pet project, they were giving to support the ongoing work of the power of God within the church. 
I can't expect you to bring your tithe and offerings and gifts to a perpetual, habitual, dead church. I mean, all, of, all churches go through uh, spells of dryness, just like all individuals go through spells of dryness. Uh, for example, this morning, this church should be filled up. But we have in the kingdom people who are known as holy rollers. You understand? And first, holy rollers, holy rollers used to be known as Pentecostal people who when the power of God would hit them, they would be so moved by such power and anointing. Man, sometimes some of them would be slain to the ground and the power of God would cause them to roll under the spirit. But we kind of move from that. There's a different kind of holy rollers that, that are holy rolling this morning. They saw it raining and they saw it wet and they decided to roll over and pull the cover over their head and go to sleep. Now, they won't do that to work tomorrow, and they won't do that for school tomorrow because they might lose something. They might lose, oh, I feel a what glory, but I'm too sophisticated to go what glory. I want people to be impressed with me. And so, what you have, you, you know, you got to be blind if you know anything about this church and been coming for any length of time to know that we are not a dying church. I'm not preaching three services every Sunday morning because I have an eagle trip I need to fulfill. Let me tell you something. Come by 3 o'clock this morning. Not this, well, this morning, yes, I was up stirring around, not out of the bed, but in my mind. But about 3 o'clock this evening, after preaching three services today, between 3 and probably tomorrow morning, if you need a pastor's help, you better be calling somebody else on staff unless you all are dying. Because I'm doing my own dying. You understand? I, after preaching with, the, you know, I, I don't come up here. I'm, I don't come up here and stand here. Just don't leave this pulpit. Don't ever raise my voice. And I come up here and I'm preaching like I'm on fire. Matter of fact, I'm preaching my liver out. And after that, you know, I'm not doing free services because I want to keep up with the first Baptist or the first assembly and I want to impress you. I'm preaching free services because on a normal Sunday, this place is filled up and we, and we are trying to be good stewards and occupy as many people as we can while we acquire as much money as we can to go into the next building as debt-free as we can. And so what I'm saying, we are ministering. We are ministering right now to your children in the nursery, to your junior high, your senior high. We're sending missionaries out. This is the church where God is healing the sick. Not everybody gets healed like I want, but God is healing. Marriages are being restored. Not every marriage, but we are doing the business of God, and that's why it's a place to put your money where the power is. Somebody ought to give a lot of thanks. Well, I maybe shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. That's part of preaching. My sister uh, emailed my wife this week about a church question. My sister's a devoted Christian and a husband and two sons. And, and she was concerned about the spiritual nature of a church and her pastor. And it's been kind of going down for about the last two or three years. The church she goes to and people have left and there have been issues. And the funds, the tithe and offerings are down. And, and as a result, people leaving ministries are suffering. So there may not be a ministry for the, her boys who are between the ages of, uh, who are probably six years old and four years old. And she doesn't see a, a future there for their, when they become teenagers for their ministry for them. And, and so... She wants to speak to her pastor and she wants to be concerned about, she, so she emailed Valerie asking advice because she knows I won't read her email, I don't read anybody's hardly, but, but I need to do better, I need to do better. She knows that if I read her email even today, I'll respond next week and so she wants a more immediate answer. I gotta do better, pray for me, I gotta do better. Ah, uh, I'm not a geek, techno geek, I'm a nerd. 
No amens here because I'm looking at you. And we can call you too, okay? Uh, so, so what we have is, is, uh, is my wife responding to my sister who says, I see the place dying, but the Holy Spirit hasn't led me to leave the church. You see, that's, that, here's, the, here's the counterpart of what I'm saying. You don't want to give to a dead place, but at the same time, you don't need to be in a hurry chasing hot places every six months. I'm a preaching little machine right now. Yeah. They got the hottest tune, the hottest pastor. You stay there long enough and he'll lose his hair and his teeth too because he's a pastor. And if he don't lose his hair and his teeth, he will lose his mind. Okay? Because we're just men. All right? You understand? And so I'm saying to you just because it's died or kind of, uh, kind of plateaued for a few months. It happens everywhere. It happens in your business. It happens in your marriage. It happens in relationships. Things kind of plateau. But you don't just go bailing out looking for something else hot. What you do, the counterpart is, what you do is you stay there and say, you know what? They don't have a ministry for children. Maybe God will move upon me to start a ministry for children. Can I get an amen? They don't have a, they don't have a choir or a praise team or a band. Maybe the Lord will move upon me to help them start it. Help me here somebody they don't have a ministry for those who are in recovery maybe God will help me start it they, you know what people in America want and even the church they want somebody to serve them serve them serve them serve them sometimes and all the time matter of fact God saved you and I to be of service Jesus didn't come to get served he came to serve and give his life a ransom for many you ought to clap or somehow express some kind of response and that's why I have a hard time receiving members in this church. Because they all seem to get raptured right after I receive them. <laughs> Honestly. And I'm thinking if the rapture took place, all of us should be gone. So it wasn't the rapture. Can I join? Can I join? Can I join? They join and they're gone. Well, I'm getting some therapy out of this sermon, whether you all are getting anything in it. Chasing after some, somebody's prayer tower. Send in five bucks and God will give you 5,000. You don't know their, your Bible and they don't know theirs either. Okay, that felt better. Let's go to number five. <laughs> Barnabas' giving was developed from the principle of sacrifice. Give me a witness, somebody. He was a sacrificial giver. He sold the proceeds of which he got from the sale of the land and gave it to the church. Now, I'm not holding up Barnabas' sale of real estate as an example for everybody to follow. That's not what God is asking. Because that's not always possible. But the principle, this principle of sacrificial giving, I am holding up for everybody to follow. Say amen. Here, you want to write this down, you want to remember it. Here's where you, this series of sermons on, on stewardship I'm preaching is called Living in the Blessed Zone. This is sermon number three. In order to live in the blessed zone, you and I have got to come to the place where we give something that cost us something. Amen. Did you all hear me, church? This tipping God, this throwing in a little bit here and there, this giving like Ananias and Sapphira to impress, doesn't bring blessings. Ananias, I'm sure, pardon me, let me back up, Barnabas, May have thought in a few years from now the land is going to be worth more. And I may need it for retirement. And that could be true. And there's nothing wrong with investing in land and houses for retirement in proportion to the fact that you give. But he disregarded his future need because the need among the church 
and his fellow Christians were so pronounced until he said, they need help now. God will take care of me now and later. Let me move now to Ananias and Sapphira. Chapter 5 is where sin raises its ugly head. Because the Bible says Ananias and Sapphira lie to the apostles about money they bring to the church. You remember a couple weeks ago I mentioned Achan, A-C-H-A-N in the Old Testament, who lied to Joshua about things he stole that God said doesn't belong to all the goods, all the bounty and booty of the first city you conquer in the promised land. Give me the first and the rest of the cities you can keep all of it. Remember I told you Achan lied and God, because you can hide from pastor, you can hide from your wife, you can hide from your boss, you can hide from your mother, but you can't hide from God. And Achan was taken outside the camp and stoned, pelted with stones. And now Ananias and Sapphira agrees together to misrepresent their offering. They agree together that they're going to sell land and they're going to bring an offering to the church and they're going to make it look as if it was all the money they got for the land and God killed them. And their example in giving is placed in scripture to serve as a warning to Pastor Allen and his congregation and everyone else of what God will bless and what God will not bless. Observe, Ananias' giving was prompted by a desire for recognition. He had heard of the accolades that Barnabas received. Now Barnabas did it like many of you do it. When you give an extra gift, you say, Pastor, it's anonymous. I don't want anybody to know. Because isn't that what the Bible says when we do that kind of giving? When we do that kind of charitable giving, don't let the left hand know what the right hand. Somebody say amen. amen. I feel just as anointed as if I was preaching to a stadium full of people and everybody's, yeah, go, bald-headed, handsome man. I'm telling the truth here. I want you blessed. I want you to live in the blessed zone, not the cursed zone. Amen. Ananias and Sapphira, uh, Barnabas gives anonymously, but the word got out. Somehow the word got out. And Barnabas doesn't want that. Because he's not trying to say, hey, look at me, everybody do what I do. But the word gets out. And everybody's applauding his generosity. Because now some of them have food, some of them have clothes, some of them have groceries, because he gave. Well, well, Ananias and his wife Sapphira says, we want some of that pomp and celebration. We want somebody beating a drum and announcing our generosity. We want somebody blowing a trumpet and announcing our generosity. We want our name in the bulletin. We want our name engraved in stone. And there's a place for all that, okay? But, but, but this is what's going on with them. And because they want recognition, they give the appearance that they was as benevolent as Barnabas, when in fact they were not. And that's called hypocrisy. This, this word hypocrisy comes from a concept in the New Testament and the word for hypocrisy in the Greek language comes from a word which was used in those days to denote 
repair of a defective vase, vase. What is it? Vase. And if a person wanted to sell a vase that had a crack in it, but they wanted to get more for it than it really was worth, then they would melt some wax and use the wax to seal the crack. Then by glazing or painting over the wax, the vase would look like it was without fault. However, it wasn't perfect. It was hypocrisy. That's where we get the word. And the hypocrisy was revealed the first time the vase got near to a source of heat. The wax would soften and melt and reveal the original defect, revealing at the same time the deceit of the one selling it. <laughs> Have you all ever done that? You ever bought stuff that looked like it was real and then it wasn't? I'm telling you, I wring my ear. But... And you better stay away from that stuff known as as seen on TV. <laughs> Y'all hear me? All the dicers and slicers and crushers and whatever else as seen on TV. But if you'll call right now, we'll send you two instead of one <laughs> to find out it's hypocrisy. Okay, preach on, little man. And you see, I say that to tell you that one day, the gaze of the light of the glory of God is going to be shed on my life and yours. Amen. It may not just be on judgment day when we get up yonder by and by. It'll be right now. When we get to the warmth and the heat. And because the Bible says that we're all going to be tried by fire. And oftentimes we're tried like gold in the fire. Where the gold is put in and the fire is intensified and the, and, and, and the uh, muck. And all the impurities of the gold rises to the surface of the liquid gold and it's scooped off until all the purity is there. And so it's going to be our life. And if there's any hypocrisy, if there's any wax covering up the defect, it's going to show itself. And it's going to show the deceit of the one who is defective. I, I read a survey and I, I got to hurry. I read a survey of some time ago, and it was years ago, when 96% of Americans said they believed in God, 96%. And that sounds impressive until you discover that 72% of those who confess to believe in God said that their belief in God didn't affect the way they lived their lives. Then what's the use? You with me? Of the 92%, 96% said I believe in God, says, well, my belief in God doesn't affect how I live. I just, it's called spiritual hypocrisy. It's called spiritual pretense. And Ananias and Sapphira were hypocrites in the first order. Uh, I know, I know. I knew I'd get shouts when I talk about Barnabas. I knew I'd have to be on my own when I talk about Ananias. Thank you for that, amen. Remember, I need another one later on. I don't drink and drive, but I do drink and preach. Look at this. Ananias' giving was premeditated sin. Are you all with me? Ananias and Sapphira's sin was not impulsive. And they thought, you know what? Let's give the money. Oh, let's hold back some. When they should. Okay, let's go give this money. And they got to the church. No, let's hold back some. And then tell them we give it. 
No, they had premeditated after seeing the applause, the credit, the recognition that Barnabas got. They sat at the coffee table and they said, you know what? Let's sell some land too. And then let's give money to the church, but let's make it look like it's all the money. Premeditated sin. God hates sin of all kind, but premeditated sin is why I tell you that there's no such thing as unconditional eternal security. Now, I know that I probably could grow a larger church if I just said, everybody gets saved is going to heaven. They can live like they want to, like before they got saved. You cannot take this Bible and prove to me that you can get saved and keep on sinning and go to heaven. I will say this to you. You can't lose your salvation just like that because all of us have sinned. All of us and I also have been a hypocrite at times and need help now. All of us have done impulsive sinning. Can I get, can I, can I amen here? And there are some of us and even me too who have sinned the same sin more than once. But when we are truly repentant and we truly express godly sorrow and we confess and then we become accountable and we leave that sin, praise God we delivered. But, but this thing, like sitting down and saying, well, I'll tell you what it's like. It's like saying, I'm giving to God, acting like you're giving 10% and you're not. That's hypocrisy. Knowing you're not. It's amazing what people will do to act like and show others in the service that they're giving. It's amazing how, oh God, help me now. There are people who crumple up their money. It's a one dollar bill to make it look like giving a lot. Fold it up in tens. I'm talking about ten dollar bills. but If you can't tithe, don't misrepresent it. Just give what you can until you can tithe. Don't check tithe when you're cheap. Oh, Jesus. I want to help you. I want to tell you that I'm not going to be your final judge. I could die before you. Oh, I could outlive you. But all of us are going to judge not, be judged now. We're going to be blessed in the blessed zone now based on what we do now and later. Oh, you people say, I've had people. Supposed to be Christian people supposed to be getting married. Well, Pastor, we are going to get married, but we are sharing the same apartment and sleeping in separate rooms. Is anywhere on my forehead the word printed stupid? I really, I really do not want much to do. I will do it under certain conditions, but I really do not want anything to do with solemnizing marriages where people are shacking up knowingly I have I have ref don't come please don't embarrass yourself or me and I don't mind listen to me listen to me somebody I'm gonna go to heaven as bad as you okay but I'm gonna answer for more than most of you don't send your children to other people to me I'm not interested in checking off how many people are solemnized the right of marriage I'm interested if they come to me and they're willing now to live separately until they get married if they were living together up until now I'm, I'm, I'm asking them to abstain from sex go live here go live there until now you know the truth you couldn't you couldn't have known what to do if you didn't know what was right or wrong regarding that now you know live separately get blessed and when you come to the altar you get married go and live like husband and wife oh Good Lord, oh man, this is some preaching man. 
You see, a lot of times we just want to come to church shout before we get to the Golden Corral, we forgot what we heard. You ain't going to forget this. When God's killing people in church, you ain't going to forget this. See, there's, there's, there's one gal. She, she said, uh, she and her boyfriend, Christian's supposed to be sharing an apartment together. That's God calling. He's got your number. God's got your number. I told you you wouldn't get away. This girl living with this guy, supposed to be Christian, sharing an apartment because they're going to get married. The soon-to-be mother-in-law comes to visit this couple, and she admonishes them not to sleep together. Oh, no, Mama, we, we're not sleeping together, he says. We know we get married in, in a few months, but we ain't got... Son, you shouldn't really... You should live separately. Uh, so after, after uh, the mom admonishes them, leaves, she's supposed to be sleeping, the girl in her room, the guy in his... The mama gets a call from... The son. Maybe five or six days later. Mama, I don't want to accuse you bad or make you hurt your feelings. But he called his fiance's name and said, since you left, she's been missing her baking pan. The cookie sheet. And mama, you're the only one has been here. And we didn't know whether you borrowed it or you whatever. Took it and didn't, with your stuff and didn't mean to. Uh... And mama, we're just asking, oh, son, no, 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 no. If uh, she'd have found it, if she'd have looked under her bedspread in her bedroom. Oh, thank God for mamas. You know the room she's supposed to be sleeping in? Now that I got you a little happy, let me see if I can do a little. Uh, uh, it's amazing, isn't it? The, the, the deceit that people use. Uh, number three, please. I'm going to hurry. Ananias' giving was, was partial commitment. This guy's is total commitment. By the way, let me back up. This guy made off the guy who swindled 65 billion. I mean, no one talking about. He's got the right name, doesn't he? He done made off with people's money. That's hypocrisy. That's premeditated sin. God will judge that like he did Ananias and Sapphira. And if people don't repent, they're going to die in their sins. Madoff premeditatedly told people that he was investing their money when he was not. Can I get a witness here? Let me tell you something else. Oh, God, help me. You know, there are people who sometimes are caught in their sin and they should confess and say, Oh, God, I'm sorry. Did you know if Ananias and Sapphira admitted when, when Ananias showed up to the church and, and Peter, Pastor Peter said Ananias wait a minute now the Holy Spirit checks me Did, is this all the money you got for the land you bringing all the money here if Ananias says, oh my Pastor Peter I am sorry I am sorry I wanted the recognition as Barnabas I wanted to, people to think well of me and I have lied to you would you forgive me and ask God to forgive me do you know right then God would have forgiven him it wasn't that God was asking for all the money like Barnabas. God wasn't asking for a thing unless he, unless he, you know, he, in other words, he's, he, out of the own motivation of his heart, was inspired to give. And, and God would have taken care of that. But, but here's, what, here's what they do. They, they bring, they want all the blessing and no sacrifice. I want God to heal me, to bless uh, uh, oh Jesus, somebody offer a prayer for me here this morning. Here's what I struggle with. I struggle with my flesh 
and maybe my legalism, I don't think it's legalism, I think it's my desire to be as true to the word as I can. When people call me church, and they've never darkened the door of the church for months and years, but they, every time you see them or talk to them at a restaurant or a store, they are so spiritual, they're coming to church. I told Brother William Minix, I had usher this morning about a situation like this, and, and I, I don't, God help me, I don't use your situations to exploit, but here's the pain I have. This person is in, is facing severe sickness. This person is elderly. This person could die any day, uh, and, but yet has all the senses and abilities to communicate, talk, and whatever, and hasn't darkened the door of a church or church in however how long. And this person has money. This person has house. This person has land. This person has... So, so, and always when I see, oh, what is the church doing? Something to the effect of I'm wanting to give to the church. Oh, we are going to do so-and-so. And never does a thing. But oh, when they get sick, they want God to heal them. And if, if I get out of the hospital, this person, if I get out of the hospital, pastor, I'm coming to church Sunday. You are not lying to me. You are lying like, oh, oh God, not you. But the people are lying to the Holy Ghost, to Jesus, and, and, and to the Father himself. And God takes that seriously. Number, number four, Ananias giving was provoked by the devil, not by God. Say amen, somebody. It's the devil who tempted them, verse 3 of chapter 5, and they yielded. God will never tempt you to lie or be a hypocrite or be deceitful. God is not a God that he can lie. And whenever the devil tempts you to be a hypocrite, to say one thing and do something else, Amen. that expense account on your business, they give you a credit card and say, use it. Or they say, when you come back, bring the receipt and uh, make sure that it's all legitimate expenses and not because you think the company is big and large and they owe you something, will you take it? You may err away from them, but God's eyes and God's heart will judge our hearts and our mind. Somebody say, praise the Lord. God sees, he knows. He knows when that husband says to the wife, I'm going out of town on business and it was something else. God will judge. Last thought, please. Come to the music, please, sir. Ananias' giving was perversion. It was perversion of the divine program of worship. God is not interested in our titles. And God's not interested in blessing us based on what we negotiate with him. God is interested in Total obedience at whatever level we are in life financially and spiritually. As we grow, the more we know and the more we get, the more we release, the more we learn, and the more blessed we are. Say amen, somebody. And, and so, I'm wrapping it up to say to you that there's just something very painful about being phony and, hip and a hypocrite. I think it is just far better if a person is not real and not honest to not paint themselves like they are and say, pray for me, help me. I'm struggling in this area of my morality, of my finances, of my integrity of my discipleship I'm not there yet pastor I'm not ready to take that role in the church because while I was elected to the office the people don't know that I'm not a faithful giver 
That don't happen here because we check that because I'm not interested in anybody being an elder or a leader in this church who don't believe the whole Bible and practice as much of it, all of it, as they have the ability. I'm not interested in the church in, in, in politics. I'm interested in men and women of God full of the Holy Ghost. I don't care if all they have is a widow's might. But they want. That's what they can do. But they want to be used of God. I'm ready there. One of the lessons that Ted Haggard learned and his learning, it said he learned from his fall for ministry. From his fall having been found to be a person who preached one thing against something and practiced it, preached against homosexual relationships and had a hidden relationship with more than one person. He says he may never get back to ministry. And that is difficult and painful. But he said he's more free now not being a hypocrite and being real and starting over than he's been for all the years that he was living a lie. Please understand me. I love you. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to get us to heaven. Stand, would you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, praise the Lord. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Pastor Allen, I this morning can do better in this area of living the committed life. Pastor, I don't want to be partially committed. I want to be totally committed. And it's not just about money, Pastor. But it's about every area. Marriage, job, responsibilities, private life, public life. I want to be real. And I want to be as the choir sang this morning, sold out to the Lord. And I could just, I just ask you to remember me in this prayer, Pastor. You remember me in this prayer. I ask you to raise up your hands. Thank you. There's so many of you. You may put it down. I have another question, please. If you've gotten away from God, you're not serving the Lord. You used to. And you're banking on the fact that you got saved years ago, and yet you've known that since you got saved, you have willfully and deliberately and premeditatedly sinned repeatedly. And you've not asked God to forgive you, and you've not broken that lifestyle. And you say, Pastor, when you pray this morning, I need to break that life and I want to give my heart to Jesus afresh today. If that's you, raise up your hands. I want to give my heart to Jesus afresh. Hold it up just a moment. Nobody else looking. If you can avoid looking, I see four hands. I see five. I see six and seven. Thank you, Jesus. Put them down, would you? I want everybody in this church in an effort of encouragement to pray for these with me. But to repeat after me this prayer with those who raise their hands for salvation. Everybody repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for another chance. Another chance to be real. Thank you today that you're not striking us down for our sins or shortcomings. I confess my sins. I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. I confess Him 
for the first time or again as my Savior. Wash away all of my sins. I believe that I am saved. And starting today, I will follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together, everybody, and give the Lord thanks. Amen. 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 Now I want to pray for the rest of us. Bow your heads again. Those that I pray for then, Lord, are those who are coming back or coming for the first time. Father, we bring who we are to you at this house today. Wash us and cleanse us. What you're looking for is honesty and integrity and uprightness and godliness. If we are not there yet, help us to get there. Forgive us for knowing to do good and not doing it. Forgive us for seeking recognition instead of favor and power with God only. Forgive us for casting an image, especially in finances, when we should just be open and honest. Everything we have, you have given us. Help us to be a grateful, generous, glad giver. Shine your light upon us. And when you do, let there be no cracks or defects in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Please be seated a moment. Come, ushers, if you will. You didn't think I forgot, did you? I did in the first service. And I deliberately ask you to give after the message this morning, as I have in the series of this sermon, because I am preaching on giving. And I am expecting a response after I preach, just like I do when I give an invitation. Do what the Lord has given you the ability to do. Bow once more. I'm grateful to you, Lord, for the privilege to give. Thank you for helping me to have something to give. Amen. Sing with them. Sing with them. Help us, choir. 